Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the new writing series. My name is Nina Mamakunian. I'm the literature and theater and dance librarian, as well as curator for the Archive for New Poetry. Um, we are thrilled to have Ari Banyas here reading for us, and we're thrilled that you are all here uh, at the reading. Um, just a couple quick notes. Uh, the restrooms and the water fountain are through that back door, and you'll, you'll see them right there. If you do need to leave early, we, please, uh, we ask you to please use that back door so you don't disturb the reading happening up here. Um, and then at the, uh, after the reading, there'll be a Q&A. And because we are recording this, um, please sp speak loudly so we can pick up your question on the recording. Um, speaking of the recordings, if you're interested in any of the new writing series readings that go back all the way to the 1970s, uh, you, can listen to the, you can listen to them through 2007 online from your computer. Uh, just search new writing series in the library catalog. If you're interested in older readings, you can come into special collections and hear them there. Um, and if, if anybody has any questions about that, I'd be more than happy uh, to talk to you afterwards. Okay, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Nina. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. So excited to see you. Um, my name is Brandon Sam. I'm a poet and, and professor here in the literature department. I'm so thrilled that you're here, and I'm so thrilled that Ari Banyas is here. Uh, Ari Banyas and I are, are good friends, and um, I'm such a huge fan of his poetry, and so uh, excited that he could be here uh, to read for you all today. Um, I just wanted to um, uh, say that uh, introducing uh, uh, Ari is Allison Ogamukun, uh, who uh, is a wonderful graduate student here in our MFA program, so we're thrilled to have her introducing Ari as well. Um, before uh, I hand the mic over to Allison, I wanted to uh, point out our, our amazing um, uh, poster uh, designed uh, by Valentina. Uh, thanks and shout out to Valentina. But we have a really an amazing uh, winter lineup, winter program. Uh, starting uh, with, of course, Ari Banyas tonight, but next week, uh, Vanessa Angelica Villarreal will be with us. Same uh, room Wednesday. Yeah, we can applaud, absolutely. And then looking ahead, Ronaldo Wilson and Kate Bernheimer. And I also want to uh, point out that uh, towards the end of the term um, and beginning of March, the final, I'm sorry, the first weekend in March, March 1st and 3rd, um, there's a great conference being uh, held here uh, called Centering the Margin and it's celebrating uh, writers of color. So please uh, put that on your calendars. Uh, visit our, our website at the Literature Department um, for more information. And then also, we're on Facebook. So like us and follow us on Facebook as well. Um, last thing I want to say, I don't have my phone, but I just turned my phone off. So if you have a phone, if you could turn yours off, just a reminder, that would be awesome. And uh, Again, thank you so much for being here, and now I'll invite Allison. Thank you, Brandon. Ari Banyas is a poet, prose writer, and educator. His many triumphs include being the recipient of the Penn Center USA Literary Award, a finalist for the Kate Tufts Discovery Award, as well, as well as having a breadth of published work in Poetry Magazine, American Poetry Review, Boston Review, The Offing, Poetry Society of America, The Feminist Wire, and many more. He's held fellowships at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown, the Wisconsin Institute for Creative Writing, and Stanford University. 
His published work includes two chapbooks, What's Personal is Being Here with All of You, with Portable Press in 2011, and his most recent collection, Asymmetry, published last year with The Song Cave. Of Ari's work, my favorite poem called On Pockets rests in his full-length book of poetry titled Anybody, published in 2016. A section of this poem reads, when it comes to pockets, I prefer to think on my own. I still at times imagine my thoughts in a small enclosure. It helps me think better when actually I have a mind full of holes. They breathe. There's something sweet and forlorn about a pocket breached, a torn pocket, a pocket that can't hold what's important. It's one job, a keeper. And through the compromised place, things escape down a pant leg or into the lining of a coat. If it's cold out, one can feel the warm coin pass along the pant leg of the skin. Maybe hear metal strike sidewalk, but not always. Not always coins. Maybe keys. What I love about this poem is Banyas's tactile ability to silk in the ordinary into sensorial splendor, to make wonder out of a pocket's ability, or lack thereof, to do its job, of holding and emptying. When I think of my most recent experience with pockets, I think of how my mother urges me not to rip the seams of pockets sewn shut. This especially of a plaid pantsuit I thrifted last month. This suit will hold nothing but a continued untapped potential. Banyas writes portraitures that reflect on the body and bodies, gender and life as a trans person. In a feature by the University of Arizona Poetry Center blog, Banyas shares he wrote this book with several places in mind likening pronouns to place. He comments on pronouns as, quote, their own little nations, each a place drawing up its boundaries. I, you, us, them, he, she, here, there. These delineated entities insisting on their separateness, their at times quietly violent organization of experience, and their being, despite this, so arbitrary, so permeable, End quote. I can't help thinking about pockets as their own small factions. The last line of this poem reads, there are no pockets, it's a prisoner's coat. I'm reminded of a certain strain of hand lostness when there are no pockets to be found, no place to store the hands, nor compartment for safekeeping or warm coin misplacing. In this, pocketlessness becomes its own boundary something impermeable, unsafe, uninviting. In considering this, Banyas constructed a book that is, quote, definitively more than I, than we. It leans into plural, end quote. This pronoun work feels like space-making, like inclusivity of all that contributes to what makes the self, and also an invitation to readers to make more pockets, to rip the seams of that which is sewn shut and a place for safety. Everyone, Ari Banyas. Can everyone hear me okay? Um, thank you for that beautiful introduction. Um, it's really great to be here, and um, I'm going to take off later, actually. <clears throat> Um, it's really great to be here in San Diego. This is my first time in San Diego. Um, and, um, yeah, I was happy to see the glittering water when I um, 
this landing. <clears throat> um, thank you, um, Allison, um, for uh, your thoughtfulness. And um, thank you, Brandon, for inviting me here. And um, thank you, Nina, for um, making this space possible and everyone at, um, in the writing program for making this space possible. <clears throat> I'm going to um, read a bit from, from anybody, and then I'm going to read some newer work. So. Um, yeah, uh, let's just let's just dive in. <clears throat> I guess uh, you know. So Allison was talking about um, pronouns, and um, I was thinking a lot about pronouns and and the we pronoun, the collective pronoun, when I was putting together this book. Um, so I'm going to start with the first poem in it, um, and I think you know it's it's funny because I, I wrote this. You know, I published this in 2016, I wrote this before that, and um, we, the pronoun we didn't seem like such a th threatening pronoun <laughs> um, at the time of writing, and it, it feels different to me now, but <clears throat> anyway, it's interesting, right? Um, some kind of we. These church bells bong out one to another in easy conversation that wants to say, things are okay, things are okay, but things, they are not okay. And I can't trust a church bell, though I would like to, the way I can trust that in this country, in houses, apartments, there somewhere is a cabinet or drawer where it's stashed the large plastic bag with slightly smaller, mashed together plastic bags inside. It is overflowing, and we keep adding, bringing home more than we need. We should have to weave a three-piece suit of plastic bags, a rug, a quilt, a bed of bags even. Anything more useful than this collection, this excess. Why am I writing about plastic bags? Because it is this year in this country and I am this person with this set of meanings on my body and the majority of what I have, I mean, what I literally have the most of in my apartment, more than plants, more than forks and spoons and knives combined, or chairs or jars or pens or socks is plastic bags. And I am trying to write generally and specifically through what I see and what I know about my life, about our lives, if in all this there can still be tarnished, problematic, and certainly uneven, a we. Just realized I have Exquisite corpse. I had a nightgown once, which became a jellyfish. So in order to wear it, I had to go down. To, to punch myself into the form the content required. To hunker 
like a boulder under immeasurable pressure as when minerals are transformed into their reverse, as when a nightgown is worn over the tuxedo for years. Pissing on a jellyfish sting is said to make one feel normal or royal. When we were together in the house by the sea, there was still a sea. Before being set adrift, the surf, the surf inched up and up, and if lapels say a word, then burn her down to a pair of molten cufflinks they piss on till normal. It is said, it is expected, he kiss her and become a nightgown. She wears him in order to punch him down until he sinks, until it's said he is painless as a house or some comparable soft-bodied animal that drifts. The feeling. Each spring, a cloud travels up from the south to an island in the Aegean. The red cloud is coming, the townspeople say, or the red cloud has been here. What cloud, my mother asks, since when? The red cloud covers the buildings, the cars, in a fine red film of dust from elsewhere. That we imagine we cannot feel the wars is an American feeling that we cannot see them, they are somewhere else. But someone pays the police. We do. That we are meant to believe the poem can say moon, but not government. Both have flags attached and can make a body howl beyond its will. They punctuate existence, even if I believe I can't feel them. They legislate, they leak, the moon, which is always here, even if it cannot be seen. The inmates and the detainees in correctional facilities and jails and prisons in maximum and minimum and solitary cannot see the moon, or they can. The inmates who are here always, even if I cannot see them, who cannot speak to me or who do, but am I listening? Are we listening to poems? Not much. Therefore, I can say anything. No. I can say moon and tree and fox and river or me and you or love and stutter. But I can mean corporation. I can mean police. I can mean surveillance or that the moon is a prison. It is daytime and in daytime nearly no one sees the moon. And the tree is a television where the president appears in the form of a finch. He sings gorgeously, people swoon. We learn that finches eat mostly seeds, small and harmless. So when the tree flowers in spring, we forget the moon and its mute armaments. How drunk we become on blossoms. We don't ask what kind of seeds or where they're from. We hum along with the finches, with the sirens, with the rivers, with the police, a harmony whose falling droplets we can't feel. And meanwhile, a law ushered through noiselessly mandating seeds. This is not our poem. 
the poem has been privatized. Its flag will be a red feeling. How's everyone doing? Um, I'm going to read the poem on pockets that um, Allison um, spoke about so beautifully in the introduction. Um, I hope you don't mind hearing some of it again. <clears throat> on pockets. I told you to write a poem about pockets, but you already wrote a paper on pockets in Dickens. And I have read almost no Dickens, to be honest, but pockets, what a staple of intimate transport, both private and exposed, functional and decorative, some faux ones even printed on. Others in women's clothes hold nearly nothing. Intrigue me deeply. They have so many ways of being, prominent or discreet or altogether hidden, buttoned, snapped, zippered, flapped, but then also those on fine suit jackets one has to slit the first time with a blade, the care of that and how sexual it is. But this isn't what's important about pockets. Pockets are dreams of negative space and possibilities, potentials, secret inside, outside places, a pocket of thinking, a pocket of resistance, Theoretical and cultural writings on pockets exist, but as with Dickens, I neglect them. When it comes to pockets, I prefer to think on my own. I still, at times, imagine my thoughts in a small enclosure. It helps me think better when I actually have a mind full of holes. They breathe. There is something sweet and forlorn about a pocket breached, a torn pocket, a pocket that can't hold what's important. It's one job, a keeper. And through the compromised place, things escape down a pant leg or into the lining of a coat. If it's cold out, one can feel a warm coin pass along the leg against the skin. Maybe hear metal strike sidewalk, but not always. Not always coins. Maybe keys, if dropped on carpet or in a loud place, not heard or not a hole, but a pickpocket, wind, carelessness, somewhere crowded when going through their contents in a hurry. More and more of mine have holes as I get older and too lazy to repair or notice only when wearing this parka, these pants. And picture when I get home, the needle and thread in the drawer, and then get home where my pockets no longer exist, their relevance declines, I forget. Today I saw an old friend in a strange yet handsome dark wool coat that struck me. I couldn't say why. It's eerie beauty, and I told him so. He said, there are no pockets, it's a prisoner's coat. sunset. I watched a woman take a photo of a flowering tree with her phone. A future where no one will look at it, perpetual trembling which wasn't and isn't. 
I've taken photos of a sunset in person. Wow, beautiful. But the picture can only be as interesting as a word repeated until emptied. I think I believe this. Sunset the word holds more than a photo could since it announces the sun but puts it away. We went to the poppy preserve where the poppies were few but generous clumps of them grew right outside the fence like a slightly cruel lesson. I watched your face just out of reach. The flowers are diminished by the lens. The woman tries and tries to make it right, bending her knees, tilting back. I take a photo of the sunset with flash. I, who think I have something to learn from anything, learned nothing from the street light that shines obnoxiously into my bedroom. This is my photo of a tree in bloom, a thought unfolding across somebody's face. I'm going to read some new work, some from this chapbook, um, and an assortment of other poems. Um, and maybe if we have time, we'll come back uh, to the book, but pro probably not. <laughs> Tautology. I had a body, and it was good until you gave it meaning. Meaning ruined pleasure and created it. So ruin creates, and pleasure's meaning I didn't ask for, just lived through. A gate that shrieked each time it opened, and on the street we passed one another, flicking our eyes at, then away from the bodies made boring by the small clamors that drown out the one large clamor. Something in the tree is arguing with the tree. No, that's just the tree. We don't drive to the sea, but we talk about the sea. Rain laid into my grimy window pane at an angle. A cocky guy against a car, waiting, waiting. To watch water magnify the screen's perfect squares, then extinguish, like lights in an office building after hours when cleaning, cleaning crews come in and leave. From my desk, I study it, where I take my little peasant meal, poached egg, brown bread, white cheese, grapefruit juice, brief and dense. A peasant meal, though the bread was $7, the eggs too, and purchased while in the luxury of a bad mood. No peasants write poems, some asshole says, and that asshole is me, a transsexual in jeans and a bad mood. If one notion follows the other, the sense I make will break itself against itself. Round white petals on the street I think are shattered glass. I steer around while they flutter, then go still. A baby carrot in a bag of baby carrots, nuzzled and shaved down into this wet shape, why? So it could be forgotten, so it wouldn't have to be itself. Who wants to read about flower petals? Who wants to read about all the theory you've read? This blessed juice is sour and real.
so I'm going to try something if you guys are willing to help me. Um, I, I always bristle when um, I'm asked to participate as an audience member in something. I'm just like, no, um, I refuse. So you're totally welcome to refuse. Um, uh, what I would like to do is ask you to make a, a sound um, and I'll record it on my phone and then um, that will come back into the poem. Um, so, uh, and the sound I want you to make is sort of like, imagine, Imagine you're in Paris, okay, um, and imagine you're um, on one of those um, sort of like party cruises that goes through the river, um, and you've had like um, a few glasses of rosé, um, the sun's, sun's just set, um, and like it's getting kind of rowdy on the boat, um, and so, and there's someone, some people on the boat are like kind of cheering, unclear at what. Um, so I want you guys to cheer as if you're like on that boat. Um, so like a kind of like woo kind of sound. Um, and if this is okay, so whoever doesn't want to like it's fine. Um, <laughs> but no one will know it's you. So just you know bear that in mind. It's very anonymous. Um, so so, um, so I want you to do four woos. Um, the third of which is longer. I can I'll like do this with my hand, okay? So I'll sort of be like, woo, 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 woo. Kind of like, kind of like that? Okay. Um, we might have to do more than one take, but let's just, let's just try. Um, okay, whoops. See, that failed already. Okay, garbage. Okay. the history of the French garden. From above, I see tight rows of trees beside threadbare grass. When the language teacher talks about le capitalisme, the gesture of three fingers rubbing imaginary fabric. I'm a tourist, vulnerable and stupid, my legs showing, <coughs> shoes practical, face red. Together, we try to reconstruct an anecdote whose contents have scattered. A motorcycle passes. A French police siren you say sounds innocuous, then we both laugh sourly. I hadn't seen a woman slap a child in some time. A truck reversing, and the alarm that continues for hours one morning. Porn on a handheld device its tinny echo in a room with bare floors and very little furniture. Across the courtyard, this t-shirt on a hanger out the window turns in the light breeze as if trying to look behind itself. I'm consumed with not knowing where to buy paper, safety pins, stamps. The red window frames of that building emerge from gray gables. Enormous bumblebee at the threshold investigates the doorway doesn't enter. The flies do. They're promiscuous. They leave. I don't know the word for because. 
So each act is disconnected from another. I can almost imagine there are no consequences. The days just pass, one sunny, one cloudy, someone unseen shouts. Sirens every few hours, clouds move in a solemn procession across a wide sky staggered with chimneys. People wait to cross the street. A large tree tosses its wig a little. Other small trees in the courtyard flicker. They are responsive. The sun heats the pavement. Les pavés répondent. You send me a short erotic video. You're naked, propositioning me. Do you act more like the coin or the water? Across the narrow street, this bird sipping from roof puddles seems more dove than pigeon. Pacing grandmotherly, she stops to look at me. Do you just know how to love another person, like someone new to paint those window frames red? Most of the architecture looks floral, like a boring math problem. The crosses that reach and reach. Why does the scrape of the furniture when I rearrange it sound like crass American English to me? I slept late. Now I'm watching the clouds, like clouds in an 18th century painting, overly articulate. Except these clouds are not trying to symbolize anything. Where's my dove? I always want to go look at people. A booth selling copies of copies of Louis Vuitton. The small shadow the roof makes in another roof right next to it. When my friend came to Paris, she wanted to break everything. Impeccable shoes on the impeccable feet. Clothes so new they're creamy and just seem to never have to compromise. I feel tattered when I'm actually not. I'm an American, I eat. A huge decorative basket of citrus snug beside me in the upscale bistro. The woman from a building opposite comes down, indignant. Who threw a pomelo into my window? You read to me about the history of the barricade. I picture the drab suburbs. The shoulders and elbows of people in the museum evoke more reaction in me than most of the paintings. A young, live person with live eyes tends bar, gender trouble tattooed up their arm. I count 29 sleeping bags lined up beneath the overhang and each one inhabited. I read to you about the history of enclosure. Two people talking on a balcony, their black hair blowing, one leaning over into the courtyard. Behind the cathedral, vulgar black felt stapled in the raised flower beds to mask their frames. The river stinks, allures as a specific person can a repository, a consequence, a long sentence, an ongoing story. The generous current cut through by a party boat shouting. <laughs> Emitting an obscene light, waving at whatever will wave back. I want to try that again because um, it's this one? Okay. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to sound that far away. Um, let's see. A repository, a consequence, a long sentence, an ongoing story. 
the generous current cut through by a party boat shouting. Emitting <laughs> obscene light, waving at whatever will wave back. <laughs> Thanks, for, <laughs> Thanks for participating. <laughs> I thought this was the mic. Um, I read another Paris poem. I don't speak French. <laughs> it's what made, I mean, yeah, made being there really uncomfortable, but I think that's good. Um, I think more um, Anglophone white Americans should be uncomfortable when they go abroad. Curriculum. View with the cathedral in it, sooty. Fountain with the face of a merman about to spit water through chipped lower lip but holding it in. Another postcard rack. Another stall at the market displaying African wax prints on tote bags, dresses, broad skirts sold by a white man. I copy a list of French colonies and their dates into a blank white notebook. On a bed of ice, haphazard piles of silver gray fish the eye should be clear, said my mother. I don't want to look at the eye. What's visible from inside a brutalist building? Institutional green linoleum tiles circa 1961 of a sturdy kind, the year my mother emigrates. What's visible alongside a nearly motionless canal? Alongside a river, brownish green, predictable, romantic like a few weeks fling that soon splits in two. Irrepressible bodies of water surrounded by buildings from centuries prior whose filigrees gather soot as excess definition. Wreathed in trash, something classical and repulsive endures. The exterior of the famous museum, once a fortress, is power washed behind large scaffolds fitted with tarps screen-painted to mimic the exterior of the famous museum. One vertical band of newly washed portion, bare and ridiculous beside the car-crammed thoroughfare. Piss against trees and walls and the seams where walls meet trickles and stinks like a moat. In a concavity where the likeness of another wealthy person once stood, pigeons sit. The oxidized face of a statue of some goddess streaked in it. In the gay club, the dancer showers in front of us, live, behind glass, coyly not revealing his dick, while screens project him digitized in slight distortion on either side of him. He snaps a small white towel in front of himself and keeps it up against the glass with his own weight. Under this dance floor, across from the bathrooms, a red room cordoned off. It doesn't have to be there to be there. At the market's end, bruised tomatoes, nectarines, so soft they're left for free.
longer poem and end with a shorter poem. Iridescent green flies on the dog shit scatter when I walk by. I've never seen flies so vivid. Gorgeous, these shit flies. Someone sits on a park bench with head in hands. A plot of ornamental grasses bends in resigned unison. Helicopters overhead, how they move like spirits with no conscience. Oh, I should say this poem has section breaks like this, looks like this. So I'm going to pause between sections. Patience. Rage and being told, be patient. The birds with orange heads and dust-colored bodies bob on the power lines. The poet explains a patient is one who suffers. Beneath the underpass, a chair overturned in the fenced-in weeds towards which a misplaced tenderness arises. Each night, she says, and most mornings, refugees arrive, then ship off to Athens. Why would they want to stay? There's nothing here. Fog descended from the Pacific. I took a bath with my biggest rock, a deity, ancient, severe, rolling around in the bottom of the tub. Nothing a bookstore, a lotto place run by cousins, two bakeries, one university, donated used baby clothes, well-meaningly folded and stacked, one detention center in the capital, road sign with the capital's distance in kilometers, spray painted, fuck. Where one bright aperture in the cloud has closed up, inner tubes and shoes and life vests on the shore. My mother lives above this beach. She watches them. After being, asked for five, after being asked for money by five separate people, an office supply truck passes, gives something back across it. I give $5 to Cece. I gave $2 to someone earlier, but he seemed disappointed. I sit on a sunny curb in the parking lot, feeling useless, like a teenager. <laughs> Who is American? My mother asks bitterly. One of us looks down at the other palm tree in the distance with the hair of a rocker dude. My mother said, fight. She said they used to call her the little Spaniola. Photographs of water, like case studies. How far away from yourself would you say you get? When I swim here the first time, I cannot call it pleasure. Them here feels violent to me. Three kids in the chilly light of a convenience store's back entrance visible from the highway between one California and another. One squats looking at a phone, two lean and smoke. Slouch of interminable suburbia, interminable crap jobs at 15, a flash momentary as toward the city we continue as we do. Four old paint drips on the window pane. I look at, not through. 
Four old punctuation marks, a nearing helicopter cuts across. I refuse to detail the humiliations that keep me up at night. I'm pulling a blanket over my head, or I'm elated by 30 seconds of rain. At the laundromat, church-like, fastidiously polite, I pair socks at the high counter, plastic, marbled to resemble marble, black, white, and blue. A woman claims a whole row of washers, spacing five hefty trash bags at even intervals, looking tired. Here are delicates. I sit down, she gets up. A stranger I want to convey kindness to. The day opens like a compact, mirror on one side, powder on the other. I think I'll just end with this poem, Oracle. I was wrong. It isn't suffering that's easy, pleasure that's difficult. How is it I've been living this way, holding my piss? A mirror scuffed by distant talk, secretly livid, worried what the dead would think. Someone greets with only the top half of her head, brown, curly hair behind a computer monitor. Today, for one second, a woman is anyone who has a body and can't forget it. The tight loops of the office carpet start to unhook. Some men are women, too. The way a mountain is land, and a harbor is land, and a parking lot Refuse the difference between sameness and difference. The ocean is on fire, green flame on the neck of a god who is a pile of rocks not apologizing for themselves. Thank you. Questions. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, so we'll have a Q&A now. Um, um, I need to mention, we don't have a uh, handheld mic, so if you could just speak up, um, and, uh, raise your hand, and, and Ari can call on you. And that'd be great. Yeah, please. Express this, it's intimate in the sense of yourself 
one thing, the world impinging upon you, and you're willing to confess not only the experience of that impingement, but the form of that relationship between openness and hiding at the same time. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> so what, what was your question? <laughs> because that's really beautiful. Like what you said is really beautiful. That's a comment. Okay. It's not a question. I, you could respond to it or not. Okay. Um, yeah. I, it's, um, it's quite moving what, what you said. Um, uh, I hope that my poems do that. And so, um, I mean, I, I, the idea of, I guess the idea of intimacy is something that you like, look for to then show other people. Um, it feels a bit mechanical, and like I think it, it is about like what you. I mean, part of what you're getting at is also about like paying attention to the forms that exist in our lives, and like what those forms tell us about um, not only our, ourselves and our own experiences, but our our relationships to one another and our relationships to the world. Um, I think it's all. Um, it's a matter of of paying attention. to so, but, but thank you for your comment. It's, um, it's, it's hard to respond in kind. Um. <laughs> what else? Yeah, what else do you guys want to talk about? Hi. Hi. <laughs> I was thinking particularly um, in terms of pronouns such as like you and we, um, when you write a poem, you know, using you, we, and whatnot, what's kind of your thought process in terms of thinking how somebody else, who's of course not the you or not necessarily the we, how they kind of interact with that, like in thinking of a potential reader, um, how do you think about using those pronouns that kind of implicate in a way? Um, That's a great question, and um, I think it's um, it's very much poem by poem for me. Um, so I think that a you can be a very intimate, it can be a very specific person, and you know somebody else who's not that person having an experience with a poem could feel both. Uh, invited or like invited to identify with that um, or like shut out by it so or something in between you know like it could flicker um, but I, I really think it for me it, it's it's a poem to poem question I don't have like a, a a set way that I approach it and I think um, each poem kind of teaches me how to how to figure that out and maybe um, deal with that problem, because I, I think it's a problem, I think it's an interesting problem. Um, I, I also will say, like, I don't always, you know, there's a certain point that I'll think about a reader, but not when I'm first making a poem. And I think, um, for me, that's like, de that's just like deadly. It's like totally gonna mean that I censor myself. So. Um, that censoring comes later, or whatever, <laughs> um, or whatever editing comes later. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about implication. I don't think I often use you as like uh, in, in the accusatory, um, at least not consciously. So, um, yeah. I think we, I do though. Like I feel more comfortable implicating myself um, and accusing myself than like separating myself from, from an accusation that I made. Yeah, yeah. that's really, I'll, I'm gonna keep thinking about that because uh, yeah, thank you for the question. 
But I had a question returning to form. Um, how do you see your own for poetry experimenting with form? Um, or does it have, does your poetry take a specific form? Will you play with it a lot? Um, that's, uh, I like that question because um, I, I just recently taught a class on form actually like last semester. And um, before I taught the class, I was sort of like, well, I don't like I don't think about form in my work. You know, sort of like how am I going to teach this class? It's going to be terrible. It was actually really <laughs> wonderful, and um, it was wonderful to have to think that way, and um, and then to also realize that like of course I think that way, and of course like everyone who makes stuff is thinking about form, whether or not they imagine they're thinking about it, um, or whether that's conscious. Um, I think you know, like the poems in this book. Um, behave in certain ways that I believed or was interested in poems behaving um, in terms of a kind of concentration. Um, and I think that like the newer work that I've been interested in is, is more formally open, like literally on the page too, like there's more space, there's more air. Um, and I think I've become more interested in what can happen in those pauses or in um, when language doesn't behave poetically. Um, and then what, that, what does that look like? So why is it not prose? Um, and so it's something that I'm still, um, that's still interesting to me to like sort of play with or tease out. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that form is everywhere. I think that um, constraint is interesting. Like I don't write fixed, uh, I don't write in fixed forms generally, um, but I think they're also like wonderful to play with and wonderful to make yourself, um, to give yourself the task of like working in those ways, even if you hate the result, um, you know. Thanks. How do you um, gear yourself up to write? Like, are you a scene setter? Do you take notes regularly? Like, how do you get in the zone and start mm -hmm. writing? Um, it really varies. Sometimes I take notes that I come back to later. Like, some poems are made just entirely of, of like word docs of notes that then come together um, but I also I mean I have like some weird rituals like like I have tap like caffeine and I mean if it's during the day not at night um, I used to always have to wear like if it was cold I would have to wear like a hooded sweatshirt like like kind of like be in a little capsule um, sometimes earplugs um, which like my partner is like totally freaked out by like like what don't you want to like you're the world. Um, but there is some kind of incubation that has to happen, I think, um, to like when I'm actually writing a draft of something. Um, but yeah, definitely more and more like collect, I collect notes and I jot things down and those come back later. Um, and that feels like, you know, especially during like times, busy times or like mid semester, if I'm like, don't, if I don't have a lot of time to sit down and work consecutive days, like, those scraps, um, those notes, which are also about like attuning to the world when when one has time. Like I feel like that's really important, um, even for the like quiet periods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, could you talk about because um, you're talking about censoring yourself and the process and the drafting and that yeah. one move that I see consistently, which I really love, that I'd love you to talk about is the um, questioning that you do that kind of propels the 
moments mm -hmm. where it's like, why am I writing about this thing? You know, that kind of move. Um, I'm really interested in that move, and I think it's a, I think it's for for writers starting out. Sometimes it feels like it's everything has to be perfect right at the beginning, and or you know, that that that, that questioning or that that a, a poem might contain something that doesn't belong there or does belong there. I don't know, I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean. I think um, that I started to do that when I, f when I found that my work was risking t like a kind of tidiness that was also dishonest that was, and it was like overly self-protective. Um, and when I realized that I could, you know, and obviously you can do that whenever and you can take it out of the poem, you know, um, which also happens, you know. Um, but to leave that in as a kind of a record of the way that the mind moved actually in the poem, I think is, is interesting. Um, or like, I find it interesting. Um, I don't think it's always, I don't think it always works. I think sometimes it's not successful. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about editing. Um, but I find that it let me, when I was like kind of holding, holding on too hard to a poem, it like, it, it's like sort of like a release valve that lets has let me go in a direction, like explore a direction of thought in a poem. Um, and often it like, it's kind of letting the poem like take charge in a way. Um, I think too, like, right, like we're not supposed, whatever, we're not supposed to admit we don't know something, or we're not supposed to, we're like, and I think that um, it's a kind of vulnerability I'm also interested in, um, in like leaving on the page. Um, it seems to trace our intimacy back to that. Yeah, back to your comments. Yeah, good, yeah, I, I, I'd like to respond to that and then have you respond to it because that actually addressed my question, right? It is not us that find the world, the world that finds us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that's responding to you. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, is that the kind of dance that you go through with the world finding you because you're open to it in a sense of letting, like you said, the perfection in the self and letting the world come in rather than asserting that you're going to find whatever it is. So, so that dance is an interesting thing, and that's why I mean it's like it's so interesting. Well, I think that the 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 move that Brandon is talking about and that you're talking about is like it's like a step in the dance, right? So it's like, okay, like I want to get over there and like or I don't even know what over there is, but <laughs> I want to get somewhere other than where I am and like I could do that behind the scenes and not show you or I could sh or I could show you a little bit a bit of that. Um and maybe that I'm, I'm like interested in like not like just totally obscuring that path. Um, yeah, I don't I don't have I don't have like more to say about it right now. Well, that's why I mean is so, is that was so, that was was so intimate to me because you're opening up the enclosure that you 
Mm-hmm. You want to originate felt that you And thank you for your wonderful performance. <laughs> um, no, really, thank you. And thank you for all your questions and for your attention. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And I wanted to say that Sage and Kayla from the bookstore are up front here. They're selling copies of Ari's wonderful book, wonderful book Anybody. So please pick up a copy. And I believe Ari will uh, generously sign the book, too. I'd be happy to sign any books, yeah. So Grab come find me. Or if you have questions that you're too shy to ask in front of folks, you can ask me for here. Thanks. I said we wait for okay. Valentina because I don't want to accidentally erase anything. Oh, okay. As I might be primed to do. <laughs> this one I'm going to turn off, though. So at least it's not picking up everything. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah.
I'm like, when are you getting a quarter? I 
Hamilton and no swimming in each other's face. I mean, I guess I'm still in it because it's Facebook, right? It's Hamilton. It's Hamilton. Yeah. I have a week of work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
oh, like oh, overnight oats and like coconut milk and chia seeds. And it's just like divine. And then the ocean's right there. And the ocean is literally like you're sitting here, there's a bar, and then behind the bartender is this like big, huge window, and it's the ocean. And it's just crashing in, and you're like, mesmerized. Wow. <laughs> and you're like, it was great to meet you. We'll be in touch, right? Yes. Yes. We'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. Oh, you're talking. Okay, you're talking. Yes, we'll be Yes. We'll see you there. Okay. I mean, she, she's finishing up a, a class, so I understand how it's this is a big campus. Okay. But from from my end, I completely understand, and this is not a big burden for me just to say here. Okay. But, but I understand your position also. <laughs> let's uh, okay. Well, uh, let's talk more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nina. Great to meet you. Great to meet you. Bye, guys. <laughs> Iteration of the new poetry series. Before that. 